All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 3 o'clock, how are you? Welcome back to the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Go to uh, PlayAlberta.ca and, hey, you got uh, anything you like there. You want to uh, try a casino? Always remember, uh, if you do gamble, use your game sense. Go to GameSense.ab.ca and uh, stay within your limits. We welcome... To the show, we just had uh, George Larac on the show, who uh, scored a hat trick in his uh, NHL career starting. Something uh, you were never able to do. Did they move the net into the corner? Like, is that what happened? Was the net off this morning's? I, or more not mornings, it's mornings. I played against George, and I it honestly felt like WWF wrestling in the corner. We would just go in there, and the puck would be in the corner. And I was like, hey, big guy, you're going to stay here. I'm going to stay. We're just going to rough each other up for a while. And I knew he could beat me up. Like, this was isn't about who's being tougher, but I was trying to physically test him, and he was doing the same. And we'd have just extended shifts in the corner. Nothing really happened. And then then, then we'd all change, and that was it. But he loved he loved having it in the corner. I don't think his teammates always loved it because they wanted to get it out to the front of the net. But not old George. Old Uncle Giorgio. Keep it in the corner. Coach's dream. Oh, opposing teams would be like, all right, just let him keep it in the corner. He's back yeah, to the net. 100%. He's just out there doing nothing. Just keeping it. He would just rest everybody else. But he was, oh, man, he was, I can't think of too many stronger players that I played against on the puck. He was so heavy and strong on that puck, man. And if you got a half step on you, the big man could get going. He was pretty quick, you know, for for moving all that that, uh, muscle around the ice. But, uh, yeah, he'll be great. He'll be a great guy to have out at the roast and have some fun with everybody. 
But a hat trick. What a good for him. You think how many games? He must have been 700 games, eh? The big guy. George? More than that. Uh, 695, I think it was. Yeah, so almost 700. Mm-hmm. So almost so, yeah. I mean, you get, I think he beat you by 21. Yeah. Yeah, so seven, you know, you get a hat trick and uh, you're, 700 He games. was a second rounder. You were a third rounder. Yeah, both steals. Both steals in our time. But uh, I doubt he ever had a three-game scoring streak. But whatever, let's not. Let's not make this about George versus me. He already, we already did that once, and he beat the wheels off. Did you have a three-game scoring streak? I did, yeah. yeah. For the orders? No, it was in Vancouver. It was elite. Three games in a row. Points. Not, not multiple points, just points in three games. Yeah. I think we'll call it. Let's just call it what it was. Assist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, you have a, yeah did you have a multi-point game? I don't, I don't remember having that. You know, you'd think this type of skill wouldn't be denied, much like George and his hat trick. <laughs> Jeez, just a roast. Good morning, everybody. It's been a roast this afternoon. Uh, no, I don't think I did. I don't. I don't remember that. I could have, but the goalie waved it, or the ref waved off the one when I was playing for the Brodziak and Sortini, and uh, I think one of the pucks, one of the shots. Well, Kyle Brodziak didn't always put it on your tape. Most times in your feet, so it went in my feet, and I think in the net, and they didn't. They didn't give it to me. Unfortunately, could have been a two goal night. Mac D could have played this more. But I guess he didn't want to win. They were trying to get a high pick that year. Something something along those lines. True. Oh. Would have been nice, though. It was, was he playing Toby Peterson? He was probably double-shifting him. Tob- yeah, Toby was first-line center. Mm-hmm. No, I, actually, Toby wasn't here when I was here. But Yeah. Ah, what are you going to do? Right? No, you did have a two-point. Did it really? Yeah. Uh, goal and an assist. I can't believe you don't remember this. I don't remember. Went against who? Pittsburgh. Oh, of course. Uh, when Janu- was I playing for? Ja- <laughs> when you were I with the Rangers. Like <laughs> that was the first really? year out of the lockout. Really? January 28th. Got to write that down. January 28th. Let me write that. Brandon, write that down for me, buddy. Yeah, you had a goal and an assist, but evidently you weren't tough enough to get that Gordie Howe hat trick. You only uh, had a minor penalty. That's crazy. What? A, well, all that, these There years- was your chance to forget, because there was your chance to forget, you know, as lots of guys, they forget what got them to the NHL straight. Right. And on that night, Still. you forgot. What's who would who you could forgot. I have fought? Who was on the other team? I like let's evaluate if I would have got beat up. Was it would it be worth it? I think I scored on Flurry. So as Bob, what what did Bob Prober tell you? Uh, what he was going to do? You yeah, just, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> fight. Just grab somebody. Say, buddy, I just need the Gordie Howe hat trick here. Let's just seatbelt. Yeah, because come one, on. He had twenty. I think Bob had twenty nine goals one year. And I asked him. I said, What are we going to do if he would have got that? Well, because he would have had four hundred penalty minutes. Yeah, right? no, I think because well, you ended up with three hundred ninety-eight. Oh, I mean, was it three ninety-eight? Yeah, he said if he scored yeah. the thirtieth goal, he was going to just as soon as he just put his hand up and just punch the goalie right in the head and get two minutes. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, because he had twenty-nine goals, sixty-two points, three hundred ninety-eight pims. Oh man! Could you imagine? Like, and then in the playoffs that year, he had twenty-one points in sixteen games. Like people forget Bob Prober was, was tough as nails. That was so, but tough. he's pretty skilled. That was the year they made the All Star team. Yeah, he. You know, I played with some pretty awesome guys. And now he didn't actually play with us in Chicago. Um, I don't think the coach really wanted him there. I, I don't really know what happened. But anyways, he wasn't playing, but we practiced with him. And he was one guy that I, just being around him was so cool. Like, he was such a, just, and the nicest guy. Always laughing and giggling and like, well, not giggling. He, I guess Bob Pro doesn't giggle, but always having a good time. Always laughing and, you know, just welcoming. You know, if I got into a fight, he'd talk about, you know, hey, man, this is great. Maybe you can do this next time. Like, yeah, that sounds good when you're the killer. When you're a guy <laughs> just trying not to get killed, it's a little different. But, yeah, he, he was a super, super nice guy. Obviously had some pretty significant demons, but uh, 
super nice guy. Not what you think at all. The, the most generous guy. He's rather tough, too. Oh, man. Like, if you go on hockey fights, I'm not sure there's a guy. Like, you watch how many times he hit Ty Domi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, he, and Domi wouldn't go down. Like, it was hard to fight Domi because it almost couldn't hurt him. Like, he yeah. had, I, I think they measured something about, like, the thickness of his cranium. Right. Is just sicker than most people's, and that's why he could just absorb more punishment. Yeah, I believe it. You know, but if you think back in the in the history of the NHL, there's to me there's a, some guys are just super super tough. I think Bob is in the top on that Mount Rushmore. Bob Probert, I have him up there. You know, Dave Brown's another guy who is Ugh. super super tough, and he he he'd be up there. Like Ty was very tough. I'm not sure that no. I put him on that same grouping there. You know. He, I didn't. We have to ask Low Tide more about guys like, you know, from Philly, those those uh, Broad Street bullies, like Dave the Hammer Schultz or those type of guys. I, yeah, Dave fought a lot of guys, but you know, he used he would. You know, I remember reading a lot of people. Now, you know, they would say hey, he would. The, the Flyers were one where you know they would make sure they sprung attack on you a few times. Okay, I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause, and and the difference was when you got into the late eighties and the nineties, like Dave Brown. Yeah. Like, you just had bigger men that were, like, Dave Brown, plus he was a lefty. Like, Marty McSorley was pretty tough. Like, he fought yeah. everybody. And Marty be up there. I think I'd have George pretty high up there, too. Yeah. You know, Ben Wilson, people yeah. talk about, like, yeah. really tough. Yeah. You know, they Joey Koser, smaller, but I remember the guy, the guys would say, do not fight him. Yeah, one of the hardest punchers. Yeah. Like, he he knew how to punch, and, and his scary. punch had a wall of it. Yeah, and that's a bit scary. Twister? Although you wonder Tony what he was Chris, on, but he was huge. Yeah, he, yeah. I remember Joey Costa. I, I was playing in Vancouver, and Andrew Castles was on our team. He came over. He said, Strutty, listen, I know you, you don't mind fighting, but do not fight Joey Costa. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I get it. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm telling you right now, do not fight this guy. And that's kind of scary when someone who's seen you fight, and I fought, I'd fought quite a few guys, you know, as teammates. And a guy tells you, like, oh, geez, like that is, that's not ideal. Um yeah, like stay away. Yeah, so those, like Tiger Williams was tough, but he was scrappy. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you know, he, he wasn't going to hurt you. Yeah, he he could definitely fight, but you're not worried about yeah getting destroyed. Like, and mm -hmm. I'm talking about guys that you're just like, this could be really bad for me. And like Bob, George, Dave Brown. I'm sure there's some others at ten, twelve, six. If you want to chime in, but uh, those three guys are like definitely Derek Bugard. Yeah, that he was scary. Oh God, he was a scary guy. So big. I, I I've told before when the night he and McIntyre fought, I've never been so scared for two guys, and they fought twice. I know they were like, and I remember the one fight. I was I don't know if it was the first or second. I was standing right beside them, and I was so nervous. I felt like I was in the fight. It was, and earlier in that game, um, Der Derek Bugard was. We were fighting the or like competing for the puck in the corner. And uh, he he kind of hit me and did something. And so as he was getting that, I slashed him from behind. That's what I always did to the really tough guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he turned around and just yelled at me like, you know, I can't say what he said. But you can imagine it wasn't very nice. So I go sit on the bench. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I could get killed here. And Tom Randy comes over. Our coach He's like, hey, buddy, um, you know, if you can, don't fight that guy. Try to draw him into a penalty. I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm not. <laughs> The last thing I want to do is fight that guy. Like, I've never turtled before, but I think I might start with that guy. It was, he was so tough, so tough. He was just, and so big. You know, it's just the size, the sheer guys, size of guys. You just can't, 
you can't compete. Well, some of them are just massive there oh, in the 90s. They just became huge. Like, lots of really big, strong guys. Now, at different times, too. Like, oh. you go back to the early days, Johnny Wensick, people were like, you know, yeah. Terry O'Reilly. Like, there was yeah. lots of real gamers. And it was ruthless. Dave Semenko was tough, but it oh, was ruthless. Another guy. Back yeah. then, right? Like, there was just grabbing guys. And, you know, guy wasn't expecting it. All of a sudden, you're coming in. And, whoa. Yeah. Like, remember Semenko, when literally he dropped the knee. I think it was on Shittenfall, basically lifted the knee. Like, yeah. You know, has his knee come up? He's trying to use. And he even get a ma- match or a yeah. major or anything for it. It was nuts. Yeah. Just a different time. He's another guy, too. <laughs> yeah. He'd be on my. And the thing about Dave, he was one of the nicest guys. But yeah. then it was just like a snap. So funny. Oh, talk to players. Or like, like Dave would literally, like, he would threaten your life. Yeah. And some of those guys, when they said it, you'd be like, well, he might do it. Yeah. Other guys yeah. would talk. You'd be like, yeah, whatever. You're not going to do anything. But no. that's this one where a few opposing players said, yeah, maybe not. Uh, when we come back, uh, hey, this guy's been uh, beating it up for all the wrong reasons. We'll find out why next. And the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Well, the Friday continues on. Jason Gregor, Jason Strudwick with you. Hope you uh, have a great Friday. Look a nice out. Maybe you'll, you'll tee it up this weekend somewhere. Just remember, might be an 80, it might be a 95. Who knows? From day to day, it's uh, it's unpredictable. That's the problem at the game. Really, from year to year. Hey, even professional athletes from year to year do not perform sure. as well as they would like. So uh, you as the uh, the weekend hacker, don't be uh, too surprised if you're good one day and uh, bad the next. It happens. Uh, let's get to the uh, MLB report brought to you by All Tech Supply, the only Canadian-owned Valve Master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com, strength through distribution. As uh, we are joined now by uh, Caitlin McGrath, from the athletic talking uh, Blue Jays and uh, Caitlin, obviously one of the big storylines is uh, the inconsistent. Well, I guess it's been consistency for the most part and it's consistent struggles for last year's ace, uh, Alex Manoa. Now he did have a, a start recently that they thought, okay, maybe he was coming around and then reverted back to the same problems yesterday. Uh, gets behind guys too often. His velocity is way down. Um, I, I saw some people think that the, the new pitch clock is, is playing a factor I'm not sure I buy that. What do you think is, and what do you see as the biggest issue for Manoa so far this season? Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, I mean, the stuff hasn't been the same. Um, The walks have been way up. You know, last year he was kind of known to attack the zone. He got a lot of weak contact. Um, He was really good at keeping the ball in the ballpark. And, he, you know, he didn't give up free passes. He really didn't walk many guys last year. Um, and that's been the complete opposite of this year. Like, he's been walking a ton of guys. I mean, we're probably, like, you know, if it, he didn't need on this pace, like, we're a few starts away from him probably, like, hitting his walk total of last year, um, you know, at this point. So I think the pitch clock, while, you know, I don't know how deeply it's having a factor, I do think, like, I understand why people are looking at it because it's like, well, what's the big change between this year and last year for pitchers? And, Manoa was not very quick on the mound last year. Like, he was pretty slow and deliberate. Like, he didn't work quickly. So, it's honestly reasonable to think that having to, you know, pitch within 15 or 20 seconds when you really weren't used to that previously, then, you know, I think it could be could be a factor. I think that, you know, it's, it's difficult at this point. It just feels like, I don't want to say things are spiraling, but it does feel like, the it's it's hard kind of like to 
to figure out where do you go from here with him because it's just been outside of a, a handful of starts that were looking like they were going in the right direction. He just really has not looked like himself, and I think it's just the the, the execution of the pitches just has not been there. In the offseason, they, they talked about addressing the, 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 the defense. How, how have you seen improvements and, and some uh, tweaks and even the new personnel? They helped the defense a part of the game for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, the defense, um, you know, on paper has looked really good. I know some statistics have the Blue Jays, you know, up near the top in terms of, you know, defensive runs saved. And they've got some great defenders in the outfield, Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, Dalton Varshall. They've been really good in the outfield. You know, it's interesting with the Blue Jays lately, like, it's been just pretty uncharacteristic, sloppy play. Like, I think this is a really good defensive team, but they haven't been playing like it. You know, a couple nights ago, you saw Vladdy coming off a gold glove season. Obviously, he makes two errors at first base. That was, I think, his first two errors of the season. Like, um, you know, you're seeing uncharacteristic type of play. Even Kiermaier making, you know, not uh, as sharp as plays as we're used to, like, it's um you know it's been strange i think that this stretch of play has been you know difficult for the blue jays i think that as the losses have piled up you start to see guys trying to do too much and maybe they're just playing a little tight right now which is when mistakes can happen as well but i mean i think they're a better defensive team even if lately they haven't been able to show their best they had their players only mean they're two and nine. Um, you know, their manager, is, you know, was not in the uh, the best uh, uh, light recently. Uh, lots of things aren't going well in Toronto right now. Okay. How concerned do you think the organization is, if any? Well, I think the organization is concerned in the sense that their team hasn't played up to the potential. Uh, we talked to the GM a couple weeks ago, and, you know, that was even kind of before this, two and nine stretch um and at the time it was like we know we can be a lot better and i would say it's gotten worse since since that happened um you know i think that i've been looking at um some of the comparisons between this year and last year in terms of the offense and defense and uh or actually the offense and pitching i should say and it you know the, the stats tell me that Really, there's not much difference between this year and last year in terms of how the offense is performing. In fact, this year, the offense has actually been better as a whole. Um, and the pitching has been, you know, slightly down, but not hugely so. Um, but I think that the one, I think the division is better. I think the, you know, the Yankees are, Yankees last year first got off to a hot start, but the Rays and the Orioles. And the Red Sox are all better this year. And um, so it's not as though, like, the Blue Jays are a worse team than they were last year. Um, I think they're just as good and actually a little bit sort of, like, differently built, which actually makes them a bit more dynamic when they're at their best. The two things is they have not been playing their best lately, far from it. And the other thing is I think the competition around them is a lot better. So it's, it's harder to make up some of that ground because the teams that are ahead of you, like they keep winning games. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is. It's a very strong division. You can see that by everyone's record. So, you know, what is, what is uh, Schneider and company do? What do they, do they just kind of ride this out, this, this tough stretch and there's still lots of track ahead is like, what's, what'd be the approach that you think they need to take internally for this, uh, to get this thing going? 
Yeah, I mean, like you guys said, like they had that players-only meeting and, um, you know, those types of things. Like usually with that is sort of a not pushing the panic button, but that's certainly a, a signal that, you know, the players are not happy with how things are going. Um, and sort of the word out of that meeting was like, you know, we need to play better. We haven't been playing well. And I think the players just have been saying that lately. And it's, it's pretty clear that that's the case. Um you know, I think that it, it's weird baseball. Like, not a ton that you can do. You can mix up the lineup a little bit. But, um, you know, with the Jays, it's, it's not that they're not hitting exactly. It's just they're not getting those big hits. Um, you know, maybe there's a few moves you can do, but we're so far away from the trade deadline that it's not like a huge shakeup can happen. Um, whether there's, you know, a, an option to maybe – skip a start from Noah just to give him a bit of a breather, but the Blue Jays don't have a lot of great options in terms of who they could call up behind him to do that. Um, and so a little bit, you just have to kind of ride this out and really hope that the Blue Jays can kind of turn the page from this stretch where they were playing against the American League East. They go into Minnesota today. Minnesota is a good team, but it is a weaker division as a whole. And so you just hope that maybe they can turn the page and kind of, I don't know, reel off a couple wins from here and, and put this bad stretch behind them. Um, because, yeah, there's just there's not a ton you can do. And somewhat, sometimes you just have to rely on it, – it has to come from the guys in the room already because there's really not anything – there's not a, a hot prospect that Jays can call up. There's not a trade they can make right now. Like, it just has to happen from the guys they have. Awesome stuff. Caitlin, we appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the weekend set. Thank you. Uh, Caitlin McGrath, uh, the Blue Jays. I know Jays fans getting a little nervous. Oof. They've uh, now the chance of catching Tampa is obviously remote, but they're now seven and a half out of second. So basically, they're looking to be like, "Hey, okay, can we get the second wild card spot?" It's a battle, and they have so many good teams in our division. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it hard. There's no gimmies in there, right? And no, that's, that's a really tough spot. So you have to really beat up the rest of the league. And then hang on when you play those guys. Yeah, there's uh, all five teams are above 500, and the Crazy. Jays are like the Jays are still above 500, and they're two and nine in their last 11. Yeah. Like they've plummeted. Yeah, Three, two weeks ago they looked great. So we'll see. Can they go nine and two in their next 11? We'll see. But they they definitely have to get rolling. Uh, when we return, a gentleman who is now entering his third season in the CFL. He'll be uh, getting his first preseason start, his only preseason start tomorrow for the Green and Gold. We will speak to the gentleman who uh, many are hoping can lead the uh, Elks back to respectability. I don't know if you can say guarantee the playoffs. We'll see. They only won four games last year. Right? They won three the year before. It's been a tough few years. But uh, there's confidence that they're going to have much better play at the quarterback position. Taylor Cornelius joins us next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 344. How are you? Welcome back to The Gregor Show with Struds and Brennan Douglas, as we get to talking a little uh, CFL and our uh, big guest of the day brought to you by Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. They want to with the uh, best of luck to the Seattle Thunderbirds in the West in the uh, Memorial Cup as they look for their first ever Memorial Cup championship. That quest for them starts tomorrow. The Memorial Cup actually uh, opens up tonight. Struddy's alum. Kamloops Blazers in action tonight. Struddy will be down there. Will, will, will he get his jersey retired oh, during the Memorial Cup? 
He says a little birdie told him it's possible. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Happen. We'll see what happens. Um, let's talk a little football. Of course, uh, the final preseason game for the Edmonton Elks is tomorrow night. And uh, our next guest probably uh, super excited to get to, uh, to throw, uh, not to uh, his teammates anymore, uh, Taylor Cornelius, quarterback for the Green and Gold. Joins us, Taylor. Welcome back to the show. Um, we talked to you at the at kind of midway through the offseason, and you were pretty happy kind of how the offseason had gone. Um, you put in all the work. You've had training camp for a few weeks. Uh, how do you feel like, where do you feel you're better at now than where you were this time last year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just the comfortability, uh, you know, within this offense and within the game uh, up here, you know, getting uh you know, to play early has been a big thing uh, for me and just really excited about the, where this team is at and uh, excited for the future of it. What's the biggest challenge for you and your your, your offense and specifically the, the receiving core to try to get on, on the same page uh, quickly? I think the biggest thing was just, you know, early on uh, the new guys coming in trying to learn this offense, you know, once they got past uh, thinking – uh, so much about you know if they were running the right route or things like that you know it it, it clicked pretty quickly uh, with those guys and they've done a heck of a job. You mentioned just the the comfort level of understanding the offense and the league itself. You know the the far throws and all those different things. You know the extra guy on the field. There's very few quarterbacks who come up and have instant success. In in fact, most you know have some some tough <laughs> some tough learning curves. That's just the reality. Unless you're Ricky Ray, he kind of seemed to be the unicorn who was able to, to pick it up right away. Right. Um, so now that you see it and you watch, like, can you kind of take us into the helmet a little bit of the quarterback when you're on the field now? What are you seeing that's just so maybe much slower than it was last year for you? Yeah, I think just the biggest thing is just being able to identify, you know, defenses and, and things like that pre-snap and what they're trying to get into. Uh, and then that half a second later after, you know, the, the balls, uh, you know, snapped, and, and then where everybody's going and what they're getting into after that. How much is that to get in your, your receivers to kind of understand, too, to see the defense? So you guys are kind of know, like, okay, I'm going I'm to get open or I'm going to do this, and it's coming to you quick. Right. Um, I think that's all, you know, just predicated on on what the defense has given you. And, and those guys, you know, been in this league for a long time now, and, and, and they see it, too. You know, they've been around long enough to know, uh, you know, what – their side of the ball or, or, you know, where they're lined up at, what the defense is trying to do to them. When you Taylor, when you look at this, um, at this preseason game, sometimes in the preseason, you know, you don't get to go up against the other team's number one defense. And I'm sure that players are, Hey, we're worrying about us getting to know our offense, but I got to think it helps that you're going to play a bombers team. That's obviously very good. And they're coming here with a veteran team. It's likely going to be the, the number one offense versus the number one defense, at least to start the game. So, can you get a better estimation of where you're at and where the offense is at rather than if you face, you know, like the B-level defense of an opposition? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, anytime you're going up against, you know, their ones versus our ones, uh, helps you get a better understanding of where you're at and where you can improve. You know, we've gone against defense for, you know, 10 straight days or how long it's been in training camp. And so it'll be good to see somebody else uh, we're in a different color. When you get into an exhibition game, are there certain things you personally want to try to try out or, 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 or put into your into your calls or plays? Um, not necessarily. I think, you know, 
our game plan going in, uh, you know, is just keep it simple and, and just let guys play free and fast and, and don't try to overcomplicate things and, and really just let them make plays. David Cornelius joins us, uh, quarterback for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in their second and final preseason game tomorrow. Uh, what, do you, what do you do for fun, Taylor, in preseason? How do you get through it? Now as you're a quarterback, because quarterbacks, it's a position where even if you're not comfortable being a leader, you kind of have to become a leader. It's just how it is at the, at the pro level. You've got to be one of the leaders on the team. What did you do to keep things a little bit lighter as times as, as you know, training camp drags on and gets a little bit into the dog days of camp? Yeah, um, you know, we've got a good re- receiving core, and, uh, you know, those guys do a great job of, of keeping it light and keeping it fun. You know, Manny, obviously having him back, you know, he always talks about how, you know, we get to play football for a living, and, and this thing should be fun. It shouldn't be stressful on you. You know, you got to have fun while doing it. It's easy. What about as far as, uh, like, do you guys get together as an offense and eat? I'm, I'm guessing you don't want to bring the linemen. There probably won't be much left. But do you bring yeah. the smaller guys so you can get a couple bites in? Or, like, what's a, what's that off-field camaraderie look like for you guys? Yeah, it's been it's been good for sure. You know, we had, uh, you know, some of the vets didn't travel down to Calgary, so they came over uh, to where I was staying. Um, and then uh, we watched the, the Calgary game and, had pizza and hung out and wings and, and things like that and just talked and, and watched the game. So it was a good time seeing them off the field and, and getting closer with them. If you had to put a wager on it, who do you think is the biggest eater on the O-line? Oh, biggest eater. It's got to be Foucault for sure. <laughs> what's he put down? What's his, what's his thing? What is his uh, weakness, I guess? Not weakness, but what does he love to eat? Oh, I, I, offensive linemen, I don't think they care. <laughs> They're like a grizzly bear, right? Eat anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what about you? Because, you know, I've talked to, to, to Mike Riley and other quarterbacks, and, and a lot of them, they like to gain a little bit of weight in the offseason, like healthy weight, because they feel that that's going right. to allow them to handle more of the wear and tear. How, like, Did you change anything that, that you feel that you're going to be even stronger and able to, to absorb the punishment that a QB takes over the course of a full season? Yeah, that was a big thing uh, going into this offseason. I wanted to, you know, get back to my, you know, weight where I was close to in college, uh, around 230. Um, and, and just like you said, just from a durability standpoint, like this season, it's a long season. It wears on you. Uh, you're going to lose weight during the season, but, you know, it's it's a lot slower when you put it on uh, early enough. Now, Taylor, obviously last year was a pretty tough year all around for a lot of people. Um, and, and just organization. How do you, how do you, and your your teammates go about kind of saying this is a fresh start this year, and the expectations are different. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Coach Jones set the tone early uh, with that first meeting. Uh, you know, we have our goals. You know, it's a fresh start every year, whether you went to the Grey Cup or, or you didn't. You know, uh, we're just excited for what this season holds for us. And uh, lastly. Playing time in the preseason game. Uh, we had Coach Jones on. He says, hey, uh, uh, my number one guys are going to start, and kind of how they play depends on how long they'll go in. Uh, do you have a conversation as a quarterback? Like, is a half enough time for you? Uh, you know, is four good series? Is, is there, a is there like, a sweet spot in, in how many reps you want to get? So maybe it's not time. Is it more about how many reps and how many series you do? Yeah, um, you know, obviously you want to just – come out and be in a rhythm early 
uh, put some good drives together and then, and then see where you're at after that. Um, I, I'm obviously not in control of that, so I'll leave that up to Coach Jones. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. But if it was your choice, how much would you want to play? Sure. Uh, I mean, the whole thing, honestly. I mean, <laughs> okay. just, to, just to get a game under your belt. Uh, you know, I wanted to play in Calgary too, but that's you know, not my choice. And, you know, uh, just got to go from there. And uh, going back, and lastly, to the receiving core, uh, you know, you've got a pretty deep receiving core. Eugene Lewis, of course, being a really good receiver. You, you go through extra time. I know when I talked in the offseason, you were planning on going to meet with some of the receivers just to kind of get used to them and, you know, them to you and what, where they like to get the ball at what time and, you know, their release points and different things like that. How, how has that gone? And, and ultimately, to, to really get it down packed, you need to see it in a game. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, like I said earlier, the biggest thing was just getting the t- uh, getting them past uh, the learning curve of the offense so they can play fast, uh, and then um, uh, letting them, you know, do what they do best is just you know go make plays and things like that. Well, Taylor, we know you have a meeting at the top of the hour, and if you're not early, you're late. So uh, we definitely don't want <laughs> yeah, you to be late right. for for that. So uh, thanks for your time, and good luck tomorrow. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, you never trust me. You don't want to keep the key. He'll come back on knowing that we were aware of his time. Yeah, sure. Because as the QB, if, if your meeting's at five, four after, uh, five after four, you want to be there probably at five to four. Yeah, be on time. I, I'm guessing Chris Jones isn't really a, you know, a flexible kind of guy when it comes to meeting times. <laughs> uh, very few coaches are. No, no. Right? Uh, yeah, to be fair, that it yeah. wasn't a shot at Chris Jones. Yeah. That's just every coach I ever said, if they like, you know, after a game, the bus would be at 1035. Like, we're leaving at 1035. Like, there's, there, it's not a floating or a, a, a flexible schedule. Even after, you, like, a big big outing for Strutty, they didn't give you a bit of uh, leeway after? Well, the win, like, there's only so much you can do after. Like, honestly, like, especially on the road. If you're on the road, like, how much do you want to do? Like, let's shower, shave, and get out of here. Like, we'll stretch it out. You can have your protein shake. Like, pound some pizza like Pilly RV. I mean, but there's only so much you can do. Now, if you have visitors, that's a little different, and we'd accommodate that. Like when you go to Toronto, you had to accommodate them. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a little different. But Columbus, out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as long of a lineup as what you're saying. No, there wasn't much going on. With no, fans. not at all. Uh, let's get to Brandon Douglas in a Sports Center update. Brought to you by the Edmonton Police Service. They're hiring a rewarding career with over 100 different roles. Discover your policing career and visit new EPS recruits. That's new epsrecruits.ca. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 